Welcome, everybody. Time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense. Brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable 10-step process. Thank you, Paul. Paul is our announcer for Asher Sales Sense, and I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategies studio in Washington, D.C. Our host today is Kyla O'Connell, Senior Partner and Sales Facilitator at Asher Strategies. Kyla's guest is Jake Kelfer, founder of the Professional Basketball Combine, coach to entrepreneurs and small business leaders, and motivational speakers for those seeking to elevate their business and sales networks. Kyla, over to you. Thank you, Dave, and welcome, Jake. We're so happy to speak with you today. Oh, I'm pumped to be here. I'm, I'm excited about this conversation, Kyla. <laughs> well, you know, we're excited too because everybody loves the sports industry and how it relates to sales. In fact, I remember my first sales job, the sales manager had a strategy. This strategy is not based on best practice, so please don't uh, think that I'm saying that. But his strategy hiring new rookie salespeople was to try and only hire athletes. I was a lacrosse player in high school and college. And I asked him about that later, like, what did, where did that come from? And he said, well, when, when athletes stop playing their sport, they still have that competitive drive. And there's so many kind of correlations between scoring a goal and starting a company or scoring a goal and winning that sale. So I always love getting guys in, and gals in here who, who have that background as well. Thanks for being here again. Of course. I'm excited to give some sports stories and share some of those experiences as well. Great. So how did you get started in the industry? So for me, my first job that I ever got when I graduated college, I'm a Trojan, went to USC. And the first job that I ever got was working for the Lakers mm. as a assistant for the corporate partnerships division. Now, what's really interesting about that is for me, I'm a big basketball guy. I've always loved basketball. My first dream that I ever had was to play for the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And so when I got this job to work for the Lakers, it was one of those, in a way, full circle moments. Because even though I couldn't be on the court as a player, I was on the court escorting players or escorting guests or doing brand deals with different brand partners at the time. And so for me, it was like one of the greatest experiences that could have had to start my career and there was a huge, huge moment for me that I had when I was in an elevator ride with Jerry West that kind of transformed me into what was possible and, and the path that I was going to end up taking. But when I got started, it was with the Lakers running all the contestants out to the halftime contest, the half court shot, the skills challenge, doing anything that involved one of our brand partners. And that was how I got my start in the sports industry and my start as a real employee of the world, I guess. You mentioned there was a moment when you worked for the Lakers that changed your perspective on relationships, or maybe you just didn't even say that. You said just kind of there was a moment that triggered you. You left us hanging. What was that moment? When I was with the team, I had the chance to interact with a lot of great people. I got to see Kobe Bryant warm up for every one of his final games. I got to sit in the tunnel and watch him score 60 points against the Utah Jazz. I got to see all the young players kind of go through their motions and their routines and everything like that. And one of the experiences that I had, though, is I always got a chance to interact with people that were Lakers legends or people that had played for Lakers in the past or were NBA Hall of Famers or celebrities that came to the games. And so one day I'm going in the elevator. 
And I was just assuming it was just going to be a normal elevator ride, go down to the court, pick our contestant up, take him out to the court, have him shoot the half court shot. But all of a sudden, Jerry West walks in this elevator. Now, if you're listening to this and you don't know who Jerry West is, let me just paint you a quick picture here. Jerry West is a Hall of Fame basketball player, a Lakers legend, and he is the guy the NBA modeled the NBA logo after. So mm. to say that I was like my heart was pounding was an understatement. I was <laughs> ecstatic in this moment. I get on the elevator. And Jerry's on the elevator. And the person who's working the elevator looks at Jerry, has no idea who he is. And says, <laughs> what, floor, what floor would you like to go to? And Jerry looks at him and says, event level, courts, court level, right? Because, I mean, Jerry West, right? Of course, he can go wherever he wants. And the person working the elevator, he says, well, do you have a credential? Because if you don't have a credential, I'm going to have to ask you to step out because I have to get this gentleman now pointing at me down to the court. He's got work to do. And in my <laughs> mind, I'm like... No way. Kyle, I couldn't, I'm telling you, it was crazy. And so Jerry doesn't have a credential. I mean, he, he doesn't think he needs a credential and I don't think he needs one either. So Jerry starts to walk off, off the elevator. And all of a sudden I just gather all the courage I have ever gathered. And I just say, wait, wait, he's with me. He's my guest. I'll escort him down. And the person working the elevator, he looks at me like I'm crazy. Like I'm just trying to escort a stranger. And he goes, are you sure? So I look at Jerry, just trying to get that like nonverbal, like nod of approval. Right. And Jerry gives me that head nod. And so I give the head nod right back to the person working the elevator. And we go down the elevator. And it was one of the greatest 14 seconds I've ever had. But here's <laughs> where it gets interesting, okay? We get out of the elevator. And my mind is racing. Is Jerry going to be mad that I stood up for him? Is Jerry going to be mad that the person didn't know who he was? What is Jerry's reaction about to be? And right as we're about to go our separate ways, Jerry sticks out his hand. He says, thank you. I really appreciate what you just did for me. And that was the moment when I look back that started the next phase of my career. Because it taught me that at the end of the day, we are really just people. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how rich we are, how old we are, how young we are, what our status is, how much fame we have. None of that stuff matters. All that right. matters is that every single one of us at any level of our life have the power to influence somebody else in a positive way. And in that moment, Jerry made me feel like a million bucks. And of course, if the action that I did to Jerry probably didn't have as much of an impact on him as it did for me. And when I think about it, as I've grown up, as I've experienced more, as I've built successful businesses, as I've worked with entrepreneurs and business owners of, of very successful businesses, the higher you are, the more influence those words and actions can have on somebody else. And that knowledge to understand that can put you in the difference between selling out everything that you have from the difference of getting your employees on board to all of these things. But the power that one person has with our actions and our words can make all of the difference. And I wanted to give everybody else that I interacted with, both at that job and for the rest of my life, that same feeling of appreciation and, and love and value that Jerry gave to me in that one minor interaction. Wow. What a wonderful story. I wonder if he had any idea or has since that that had such a pivotal impact on you. I'm curious to find out. And, and the next time I come across him, I, I'm going to ask him. Yeah. And I don't know when that's going to be, but if I see him again, I'll be like, Jerry, I remember that one time. And he may be like, no, I have no idea. But he, he may also very well remember that. And if he doesn't, I'll remind him. And I'm sure he'll appreciate how much of a role that's played because that interaction, the byproduct of that has been me inspiring thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of lives across the globe. And a part of it stemmed from that experience. That was definitely a catalyst to writing my book, to writing my second book, and to doing everything that I've done since working for the Lakers. Wow. 
What a great story. So tell us, how did you start the professional basketball combine and negotiate with agents who are known to be pretty tough salespeople? Yeah. So once I was done with the Lakers, I had released my first book. I started speaking, but I, I really find my way back into sports. I was excited about the mission I was doing, giving and elevating people, but I really still wanted to be an agent or someone that was like a influential person in sports. I really wanted to make an impact for these young men to get to the NBA. And one of the things that I saw was that there was more opportunity than ever before. There was more roster spots, more chances to stay in America, make more money and play basketball. And so we created the professional basketball combine. And real quick, just what that is, is it's a event that helps players who want to go from college to the pros. It gives them exposure and opportunity to play in front of NBA execs, national media and scouts. Mm -hmm. And so we put this event all together. And when I first started it, I was 24 years old. I didn't have 24 years of experience. I had 24 years of life. <laughs> I didn't have, you know, I didn't have a Rolodex or a network of all the head agents, all the head scouts, all the national media members. I didn't have any of that. But what I had was just a drive and, and, a, and a desire to, to make something of both myself and to help other people in the process to achieve their true dream of playing pro basketball. And so when I first started Combine, I literally picked up the phone and dialed every single number of any agent that I could find in the directory that existed, that I could find and get access to. And I must have called hundreds of agents. And agents were telling me, no, they're slamming the phone on my face. They're like, this is never going to work. They're like, if it could have been done, it would have been done. They're like, I've been around for 20 years and this is insane. And I'm like, okay. And of course, I'm getting a little discouraged. I mean, after some of these, I was like, oh my gosh, because these agents, there's a stigma around them, right? They're hard to negotiate with. And they're just yelling at me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like you don't have to be so rude about it, right? Like me, this innocent person, just trying to give something to them that, that I know will change their lives. But I didn't have all the things figured out. But I realized though, as I started to really negotiate with these agents, start to hear what their concerns were and everything, is I really started to find out what was their wants and all their desires. What was the struggles that they were already having and why was my solution the one that they needed? Okay, right. Because I knew I could help them. The question was, did they believe that what I was offering was going to give them the result for themselves and their client? Because mm -hmm. the agent wanted to look good for their player, give them more opportunities, show that they're working for them because when the player signs a contract, they get paid, right? They get their contract, the agent gets paid. And so I really started to figure out how to work with them, how to talk with them, how to get people to buy in. And early on, it was hard because there was no proof of concept. There wasn't this. So I had to figure out ways to really show that, look, this is what it's going to be. I'm going to limit your risk, right? That was a big thing. I'm going to prove to you that this will work. I keep, sh I, and I was very transparent and honest with what needed to be shared to help them feel more comfortable making that, that investment. And so that's how I really negotiated with those agents. And the funniest part about it was after the, the first combine that we ever had, one of the agents who was one of the rudest to me on the phone, who said, this will never work. This is the dumbest idea. I'll never send a client there. Right after our first event, he sent me a text message apologizing and basically saying, hey, I heard the event went really well. I'm looking forward to staying in touch and potentially working with you in the future. Nice. And that was a really cool thing for me because it reminded me that we may feel like we're being rejected in the sales process all the time. Yeah. But we are doing something that we believe is for a greater good, a greater purpose to influence the people that we are selling to. And when you can have that type of transformation and belief in what you're actually selling, it makes conversations go easier and it makes you more often than not better because of that. Kyle, it's time to take a quick commercial break. 
And let's do that break to remind you that over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. That's right, natural aptitude. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ as they call it, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. If you want to find out how to find the winners and choose the right people, go to asherstrategies.com or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866 833 Nine nine four one, and now back to our show. We've been speaking with Jake Kelfer on how to elevate your sales networks. Now back to Kyla and Jake. You know, Jake, you hit on something that I feel is when I do my sales training, I often say, "Okay, this might be your biggest takeaway from this training," and everybody kind of perks up and. It has to do with neuroscience and how the brain works. But basically, the instinctive parts of our brain and the emotional parts of our brain are triggered when the conversation or the you know, interaction is about that person, right? It has to be about, it's me, me, me focused, right? And you are able to find out what was in it for the agents, what's in it for them, right? And that triggered that part of their brain to care. And now you're on the same page with them. You're, you're kind of working toward the same common goal. Um, a lot of rookie salespeople don't really get this as early as you seem to have, to have uh, learned it. And they come in with more of a what's in it for me, the salesperson. And that that's when you get slammed the phone down because it's not about the person that you're trying to influence. The fact that you came to that pretty early in your career is wonderful and probably felt life-changing, right? 100%. I appreciate you saying that. I think one of the things that we tend to just in general relationships in the process of sales is we do come in with a me mentality. Yeah. And there's a difference between that we mentality and a me mentality, right? And a me mentality person tends to focus on what can you do for me? How can I use you to get to where I want to go? Specifically, when we're talking about sales, how can I get this sale to make myself look good on the sales leaderboard, right? right. We start focusing in the short-term gains versus instead of the long-term wins. And then you have the people with a, a we mentality. What can we do for each other? How can we both help each other get what we ultimately want, right? Mm-hmm. And when we think about this, and when we really think about this is it's in our DNA, right? It, we're programmed initially to always be self-centered, right? We're, we're programmed to want the results that suit ourselves best right. because we have to take care of ourselves. We have to live, right? It's that survival instinct. But when you can start to understand and make the transformation that you will survive and thrive when you have a we mentality versus barely surviving in a me mentality, your dynamics start to shift. You start to view competition as a way to help yourself and your partners, your other salespeople that you're trying to beat grow to a higher level. And I always give this example of Kobe and Michael Jordan because when Michael Jordan played against Kobe early on in Kobe's career, Michael didn't take it easy on Kobe, but -hmm. instead he drove him to the ground and tried to dominate him. That made Kobe a better basketball player. And when we focus on competition within our sales groups or within even industries, what we find is that when we are so good at what we do and we push others to rise to our level of play, 
we become better than we've ever been in our life. And that's a huge shift in the paradigm as we continue to climb and have more success and have higher titles and more influence because that can really drive your teams, that can really drive your individual performance, and that can drive the overall success and growth of the company. Absolutely. And it's it's easier too. And that's one of the things I try to help people understand. It's an easier way to influence people. If you're looking at things from what's in it for them and how do we both get there? How do we connect and find the win-win? It will make you feel better. It will make you feel less pressured. And nice is it, that's also the way that it's supposed to be done. That is best practice. It's not very often best practice is actually easier too. Right. So you wrote a book, Elevate Your Network. Let's chat about that a bit. What is it about? So Elevate Your Network was a book that I wrote recently. We'll call it Elevate Your Network, 25 Keys to Building Extraordinary Relationships in Life and Business. And this is all of the strategies. It's 25 strategies and techniques that anybody can use and implement to help boost their sales, boost their happiness, boost their business, to grow themselves to that next level, to elevate themselves. And the whole premise of why I wrote this book was because when I look back at the one common theme that helped me grow my businesses was people. Yeah. And I am in the business of people and everybody is in the business of people. And once I really realized that, I knew that I had to show people some of the techniques and the strategies that I had used to have great success early on when dealing with people from all different walks of life, all different levels. And so Elevate Your Network is all about that, combining that with stories and actionable exercises that you can go away and do immediately following the read. What are some of the biggest networking mistakes, especially now that we're all kind of forced to network through computers and LinkedIn, social media? Are you seeing some, some big mistakes that people are making? I'm seeing a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of <laughs> great things, but I'm seeing a lot of mistakes. And look, one of the biggest mistakes that you can make besides, and I'm not going to just, I'm going to state the obvious here, but I'm going to dive a little bit deeper here is the copy and paste message. Okay. Yeah. That's not going to work. Stop doing it. It's annoying. Nobody likes it. You don't like it when you get it. So why are you doing it to other people? Right? You're never going to build an emotional connection with someone that's going to lead to a, a real relationship. Specifically, when you communicate with someone, especially digitally, you have to use their first name and get their first name correctly, okay? This may seem like the most obvious thing that I can ever say, but the amount of times people call me Jack or Jeff in their outreach to me <laughs> is truly remarkable. And we're all guilty. Look, I've made mistakes doing this in my life too, but it's really about being intentional. And it's really yeah. about showing, do you actually care about the person you're reaching out to? So that's number one, is getting someone's name wrong, even when you're looking directly at it on LinkedIn DMs, Instagram messages, Facebook groups, whatever, whatever channel you're using, emailing, right? Another really big mistake that I see people doing is that, and there's two here, one is that they never follow up, Yeah. right? And this is sales 101, right? We know that you know, whatever the numbers are, but like 2% of all sales are made on the first point of contact. Everything else comes from multiple follow-ups, right? So that's a huge, huge mistake that people make. And then to parlay on that is to really say that there's a strategy to follow up. It's not just that you send the message and then 24 hours later you follow up because that's annoying and you <laughs> want to be persistent. You don't want to be annoying. And a lot of what I'm saying, again, none of this stuff is completely eye-opening and groundbreaking. But it's things that when you master the fundamentals and you do the things correctly, people appreciate them. 
and you build a foundation that allows you to have more growth and more opportunities. And then the last thing is really just not being intentional with your networking. And that's how people start to view networking as a waste of time, as not important, and they start to get down on themselves because they're not getting the right leads and all of these things that tumble from that initial lack of intention when you're reaching out to people. So those are a couple of the big mistakes that I'm seeing people, especially digitally, when it's so much easier to just blast it all out there than to spend the time to actually connect with, with people more intimately. Wow. Thank you so much for listing those. You know, I had an experience last week that kind of blew me away. Someone reached out to me on LinkedIn. And when I looked at her profile, I was blown away by her background. And she was just so uh, accomplished. And I really, this was somebody I was really interested in knowing and elevating my network. And so I accepted her LinkedIn connection. And then I immediately wrote her an email. I said, I'd love to learn more about you and your background. If you're interested or open to having a quick phone call, let's schedule it. And what came back immediately was a canned message that clearly was just in a marketing automation software type of thing, right? I was kind of bummed out because I really wanted to see if we could actually form a connection. I mean, she actually reached out to me first, right? So I was just a little disappointed. And then two or three days later, it's almost like she was going through her messages and she saw that there was an actual real message in there. And she was like, oh, absolutely. Let's connect. And we had a great phone call. But it just reminded me of what you were saying about the cut and paste. And it was just like, wow, I reached out. I, I hear you. <laughs> what are the most underrated skills in networking? Yeah. So we just, I mean, obviously we just dove into some of the mistakes. And so on the flip side, some of those underrated skills of networking are, I'm going to give two for the sake of time and also for the sake of people being able to actually go in and focus on these two things. Number one, and they go hand in hand. Number one is asking great questions. Okay. More often than not, when we're networking with people, we ask surface level questions. We ask very basic level questions. And then you continue to ask the, the surface level or you, or you get stumped on what to do next. Well, asking great questions is not only a way to get people to start talking about themselves, which gives you the information you need to then create the right approach, but it allows you to get to know somebody and get the answers that you actually need, not the answers that you expect, right? A lot of times we ask questions and we probably know what the answer is going to be. What's your journey been? Well, we looked at their LinkedIn profile before we jumped on the sales call and we know exactly what their journey is. Right. You might as well talk, you might as well ask them a specific question about, oh, tell, I, I saw on your LinkedIn, you did X, Y, Z. What, what did you really enjoy about that? Or how did that lead you to your next job? Mm -hmm. Well, what you've done immediately is you've piqued their interest and you're going to allow them to talk about something that's a little more intimate and personal than they're normally used to talking. So asking great questions is one of the most pivotal skills that you can have as an elite networker. And the higher up you get, right? The more influence you have, the more beneficial, the right questions can become because it allows you to create that emotional connection, which dives even deeper. And then on the flip side, the second skill that is really underrated is being an active listener. Okay. Sure. And listening is not just hearing what somebody says. It's understanding and processing what someone says, not with the intention to reply, but with the intention to validate and process and then respond. Sure. I'm not saying you need to agree to what everybody is saying, but more often than not, when someone says their name, you're already thinking of what you're going to respond next, which is why most people cannot remember someone's name 10 seconds after they just told them. 
It's not because you don't care. It's because you're already focused on yourself. Going back to this me mentality is you're more concerned about what you need to say than what that person's saying. Mm -hmm. The people that are the greatest listeners, and you look at some of these incredible entrepreneurs, incredible business owners, some of the greatest people are the ones that listen most to their customers. They really understand the needs so that they can deliver the right solution and the right answer versus just trying to shove what they think that person really needs. And that's a huge, huge difference that can change your bottom line by another zero, depending on where you are in, in your company, right? And that's a huge factor. So those are two of the most underrated skills that we don't talk nearly enough about, nor why it's a problem and why you can be better at it. Kyla, Kyla, it's time for the wrap up. Well, I absolutely agree. We teach perfect listening in our sales training. We actually have a process to it because it sounds easy, but it is not easy. Absolutely right. Most people don't actively listen. And it's uh, so refreshing when you feel listened to. You have an immediate bond. So what are three main ideas uh, as we wrap up that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Just quickly. Number one is to start now. If you're thinking about calling someone, thinking about prospecting a league, do it. Don't wait, do it. If it takes less than five minutes, go do it right now. Number two is practice listening and understanding. And a quick tip on that is when you're talking with another person, it can be anybody. Right after you're done with that call, write down five things, three things that you just learned about that person. I think that's so pivotal. That can help you really remember that person. It'll ingrain your conversation into your mind. And then the third thing is that, in the pursuit of greatness, in the pursuit of success, and whatever it is that we aim to do in our life, always find a way to enjoy the journey in the pursuit of greatness. So those would be the three things that I would really recommend how you can actually start to do them. Well, thank you so much, Jake. That was great. I, I think especially for very highly motivated, goal-oriented people, and I'll throw myself into that group, sometimes the focus goes so to the result of the goal that we forget to enjoy the journey. And I really appreciate that reminder. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners do as well. Of course. So if anybody wants to reach out to you and connect with you, what's the best way? LinkedIn? You can get me on LinkedIn, Jake Kelfer. You can get me on Instagram at Jake Kelfer, my website, jakekelfer.com. And wherever you go, you'll be able to see right away, there'll be a link to grab a free copy of Elevate Your Network. Uh, we just have to say you cover a small shipping fee and we'll get it sent out to your doorstep, full paperback copy right away. So those are the best places to, to find me. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jake, for your uh, interview today. It was wonderful to, I love your energy and I love your story. And I think it was uh, a wonderful time spent. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you, Kyle and Jake. That's all the time we have for today. For our listeners, be sure to join us again next week at the same time. From now until then, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. Paul, take it away. That's going to wrap it up for another edition of Asher Sales Sense right here in the Funnel Radio Network for at-work listeners like you.